Welcome. This is Corinne Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. So it's Friday, and what are your plans this weekend? I'm excited because we're going to have a pretty mellow weekend, getting a lot of stuff done around the house. I was out of town last weekend. I was in Southern California, and it was great, and I love connecting with people and seeing lots of people and We were all over the place. It was pretty crazy and intense, but I am so excited to have a lot of white space without any obligations to be anywhere, but things to just chip away and get done, you know, those kind of weekends. So that's what I've got going on. What do you have going on? And, and I ask you that too, do you plan what you're going to have happen or do you let it just happen? And then how do you feel afterwards? Because today I'm talking about the way of conscious living. And this is really important because we spend lots of time being unconscious, going through the motions of our lives. And I'm not here to say that it's all bad. I think there's definitely time that we're just not going to be as focused. And this weekend, it's really, there's things that I'm going to get done and I'm deliberate, but there's also just kind of the space to kind of putter around because last weekend was very deliberate and it was boom, boom, boom. And there was a lot of energy around that. But when we don't live consciously, there's a cost to us. And sometimes it's okay. Like sometimes we get in the car and, you know, we're conscious enough to drive. But when you notice when you're unconscious and you get in the car and you realize you're just on automatic and you're going in a direction you normally go, but it's actually not taking you where you want to go. And that's what happens when we don't live consciously. Another example is, and this is something that I really work on practicing is getting lost in social media. How often will you pull out your phone and think, oh, it's just going to be, you know, just a quick check. And then 30 minutes have gone by and you don't know where the time has gone. I mean, I've spent Saturdays where two hours have gone by and I was like, seriously, what did I just do? The problem with not living consciously is that later on, there's a lot of regret and remorse. And it's that, oh crap, what happened to this time? How did I waste so much time? Or, oh crap, how did I get here? And so it's really important to be a deliberate creator in our life and pay attention, pay attention. And one of the things that I believe that's happening because we have these phones and we have ways to, I call the cell phones, our pacifiers, right? It's like, oh, I don't want to be uncomfortable and have to talk to another human being. So I'll just pull up my phone. Oh, I've got a couple minutes while I'm in line in the grocery store. So I'll pull up my phone. What am I missing? Because I pull that out. One is you're missing somebody that you may know who may be going walking by. And for some of y'all, that may be a great thing. You may be like, fantastic. One last person to talk to you're also missing this opportunity to be with yourself, to figure out what's going on inside of me. What is it that I believe? What is it that I think? Now, here's the thing. If you're not a deliberate creator of your thoughts, which many of us aren't, remember, it's an ongoing practice. You may think "Hmm, it's way better to not pay attention to what goes in my brain. It's way better to not be a deliberate creator because you're not used to being a deliberate creator. Instead, you're used to 
running away from that voice that's in the back of your head. You want to control the thinking. So you busy yourself, you dive yourself into work, you distract yourself with exercise, you distract yourself with busyness and problems and other people's business instead of taking control over what you're choosing to think. Maybe you numb yourself with food or with alcohol or with shopping because you don't know how to tame the noise in your head. So here's the thing, my friend, I'm here to talk to you about that today, because there is a way for you to live consciously where it becomes less painful. It is not a magic bullet. And it is not me being the fairy godmother saying bippity boppity boop. I know many of my clients, when they first come to me, they will jokingly say, because they've heard me say this. I'm like, Corinne, I do want you to be the fairy godmother. I do want to get out of this pain right away. And I understand that it takes practice. You've been doing it this way for a long time. It's not going to be an overnight thing. So continue to practice this way of conscious living because the benefits of living consciously is that you are deliberate. And when you're deliberate, you get to choose how you spend your time. You get to choose what do you want to experience. And it doesn't mean, this is really, really important. It does not mean that you never have problems or that you're only in the promised land or you only have the perfect people around because that's not what, that's not real life. We all deal with fascinating people. But notice how I say fascinating people instead of pains in the butts, right? When we can look at them and go, wow, they're fascinating. Look at how, you know, they're showing up. Look at the energy they're bringing. And I am going to be conscious about it because I don't want to take on what they've got going on. Maybe they're feeling shame, which is that voice of I'm not enough, what I'd love to talk about. The thing about shame is it's highly contagious. And what happens is somebody walks into a room and they're feeling shame and they're trying to offload that pain because they don't want it. And it goes off of them down their pant leg, across the floor, up your pant leg and around your neck like a noose. So when you're living consciously, you can see that, oh, there, there's shame coming this way and compassion is the antidote. So you can pay attention. It's like, the way of living consciously is if you have your phone, this happens in my town. Does it happen in yours? I live in a college town and it's fascinating. Whenever I go downtown that there's a lot of college students. So these are some of the best and brightest in California and actually now throughout the U.S. And they're walking across the street, but they're on their phone, looking down at their phone. So it's like, oh, I'm just going to step out. Pedestrians have the right away, and I'm going to walk. And I always think to myself and I remind my kids, I go, car versus human, car wins, doesn't matter if you have the phone, and it doesn't matter if you have the right of way, car versus human. So being conscious is lifting your head up and making sure that it will actually be safe for you to walk across, that there won't be some impending danger or that you won't get hit because you don't know, maybe the driver is texting themselves, or maybe they're not paying attention to what's going on and they're looking in a different direction. So living consciously is about lifting your head up and being aware. And it doesn't mean that you have to fight. It doesn't mean that you have to, you know, seclude yourself from people who may not have your same values. That's not what conscious living is. But it's like somebody not having the same value of you is like, was just like somebody who may be coming into the crosswalk with their car. And even though you may have the right of way, you get out of the way so that they can drive through and you are still alive. That's what conscious living is about. 
and being this emotional adult where you are the deliberate creator of your life instead of being the emotional child where we react, where we're the victims. And and here's the thing, when I talk about this, it's not that I'm trying to ignite shame into you, because I've been there. I, I played that victim card for so long. I was like, oh, if people feel sorry for me, then I can get what I want. And for a long, long time, it worked, hence the reason I did it. But it didn't feel very good. And to be in that victim mode and being that emotional child, you know, acting like I'm 10 years old or eight years old, didn't feel very good. It was pretty costly to be there versus living deliberately, living consciously in my life. It takes some energy to be focused. Yeah. You lift your head up and you pay attention, but there's not as much drama. And that's one of the nice benefits. It's so fantastic. Before I get into how to live consciously in the way of conscious living, I want to recap. Conscious living is being awake. It's being aware of what's going on. And it's being present, which we all know, we've heard about it. There was Eckhart Tolle, the power of now, right? And when we, Oprah has been talking about it for years, and it sounds so simple. And here's the thing, simple is hard to implement and execute. It really is. It's so easy, especially in our world today, to be distracted. So conscious living is about paying attention, being aware, being present, And the benefits of it is that you get to live deliberately. It actually, once you live in the space, it takes so much less energy. So my clients who consciously are aware of what's going on and they're eating, they're just very aware. Am I hungry? Am I not hungry? You know, what fills their body? What doesn't fill their body? They know they're paying attention. And then what happens is all that drama of should I eat? Shouldn't I eat? Or I'm so bad because I ate this or I'm so good. All of that is all gone away so that they can spend time and energy focusing on the things that are really important to them. And the other thing about conscious living is you get to be really deliberate of how you spend your time. Who do you spend your time with? I think about that a lot. Like, where do I want to spend this time? How do I, what do I need to do to fill up? So like I was talking about in the beginning of the show last weekend, we had this fantastic weekend. We're down in Southern California, saw a lot of people that are very important to us, you know, and it was sunny and there's a lot of concrete in LA and the freeways. And we got to go by the beach and I always love the ocean. And it was great. Lots of connection with people and people that I've known for many years, got to meet some new people. It was all fantastic. And it was all small little meetings, you know, one person, two people, that type of thing. It was fantastic. That filled me up. But it was also this weekend, it's about having some downtime from social stuff. It's about spending time with my family. It's about getting some things like chores that I need to get done in my house that are important to me to create the space that I want. And there's also going to be just some unfiltered time, some not so conscious time of, you know, hanging out and not being so deliberate because we are pretty deliberate in our, I think, 36 hours down there. So how is the way of conscious living? How do we actually implement it? Well, the first thing is pay attention. Sit there, not from a place of judgment. You have to put the judgment down because judgment is armor and it gives us perceptual blindness. Put the judgment down. Judgment is rooted in shame. Put it down and pay attention. Be a curious observer. Be a compassionate observer. 
watch people in fascination, let people be who they are. And then you choose, how do you want to respond? How do you want to react? And that's been a great personal growth for me where I can deal with and I can work with lots of people, a variety of people. They don't have to be clones of me because I'm just fascinated. And I work at coming from a place of compassion. And here's the fantastic news for you. It used to be highly judgmental because it was armor. It was there to protect me. And what I learned was that there was a huge cost. It was, I was burdening myself by judging. And I was typically judging what in others, what I didn't like about myself. So it was a a great form of self-hatred. And I practiced for a couple of years about letting go of judgment. I do not have pure thoughts. So don't beat yourself up. I can still judge at times but I know the cost to me. And I also feel pretty dirty afterwards. So being in this place of compassion is so much more powerful because you feel better. It doesn't take so much energy and you can be present. The other aspect is to ground yourself. And one of the things that I learned a long time ago, and I didn't realize this until my daughter, I think she was in sixth grade. She's now senior in high school. And I was taking her to a different pool. And when I would take her there, I'd be just in the car and I was mom. And I just like chatting around and da, 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 da. And then when I was taking my other daughter, who at the time was in fourth grade to the pool that she and I were at, and I was coaching, I noticed that I wasn't so carefree. And what I was doing was I was grounding myself because I knew when I walked through the doors of the facility at that point, problems were going to come my way. That's just what happened. Being the leader, that's what happened. Like parents have issues, kids have it. There's just always problems. I'm the go-to person. And so what would happen was that I was, as I was driving, it wasn't that I was sitting on a meditation pillow. I'm a busy person just like you. But as I was driving with my daughter in the car, I wasn't chatty. I was getting myself geared up and grounding myself. So I was like, okay, when I walk through the door, of course, something's going to happen. Not that I searched out tragedy, but I was just grounding myself. So when I walked in, I was ready to go. And I stopped all the noise in my head of the day. Like I didn't bring what had happened throughout the day with me. And that's something that... I have to be really deliberate about because I can sit in my office and be like, oh, one more email before I get on the phone with a client or one more email before I do an interview. And one of the things that Hero Boga talked about on my show last year was about giving space to end one thing and begin the other thing instead of carrying it through. And, you know, me who wants to be highly productive and efficient and get a lot of stuff done, because how do I really do it? It was about you know, keep going, keep going, keep going and not giving myself to transition. So one of the things that I remind myself of is when I go from one thing to the next is to build in some space. Again, it's not meaning that, oh, I have a meditation pillow and I do this. No, it's sometimes it's just about, okay, Corinne, wrap this up, close this project that you're working on. Give yourself a few moments to get grounded before you get on this call. And I had to do that. I was working on some stuff today and there was that, oh, but I have, I have 10 more minutes. I can get 10 more minutes of stuff done. And I said, no, wrap this up and this, I can always come back to this and then get myself ready for this next call. And that becomes really important. That's what I was doing as a coach, as a swim coach, without even realizing it as I was driving my kids. And I only noticed that grounding when I brought my daughter who to the other pool when I was a swim mom, not a swim coach. 
So grounding, grounding yourself. Other ways to ground yourself, one of the things that works really, really well for me because I have a blue state of mind is water. So even like, you know, we're <laughs> in LA getting lost, uh, on the hunt, on the hunt for really good coffee. And I found this fantastic coffee. The best coffee I had went all, all weekend was when we first landed in Burbank, California, there was this little coffee shop and it was amazing. It was the best coffee all weekend and getting lost backtracking and, you know, dealing with the freeways and traffic at 11 o'clock in the morning, all of that. And then that afternoon when I could get over to the beach and just be by the water and hearing the water and breathing in the salt air, that for me is grounding. Some people can, I can also feel grounded around them. Some people, maybe not. So it's about knowing that, knowing whose energy can be really calming to you and whose energy cannot be calming to you. I tend to be calming for, especially the kids that can get really stressed out at so meets, I can be really calming or for my clients, I can be really calming for right? Their energy might be, ah, and I'm just really calm down here. So grounding yourself, knowing what grounds you. Water for me is one of the keys. And I've learned that. So sometimes it's even just a matter of like, if I can't get to water, it's just envisioning water. And so here's what I do. I remember years ago, maybe I'm making this up, but in my brain at Disneyland, they had this area over in Tomorrowland where I think the water just came up out of the ground. It was like a wall of water. And so I think of that. So sometimes when I notice and somebody may have some toxic energy coming at me, I'm like, I put up the water because pe- most people aren't going to go in and get wet. Kids will, but most adults won't. And I can see them, but I don't have to bring their energy. So that's one thing I can do. The other is like just being outside, being with nature can be grounding for some people. Some people, Nancy Duarte years ago on my show, she's this high powered executive in Silicon Valley and does all this incredible work. And, and on the weekends, what she does is she hikes for like three hours a day on Saturday and on Sunday. And that for her is her grounding for the week. So it doesn't have to be an everyday thing. Those are her big things. And I'm sure she has a little practices in the, during the week maybe before she walks into a meeting, but knowing how you ground yourself. And here's the thing. I just gave you some different examples. Steal them, go try them out for yourself and see what works. If you have a blue state of mind, meaning that water is very soothing for you, notice that. Sometimes like I don't swim anymore. I'm a former swimmer, but being in water is really soothing. And so for me now, that means more of a shower. Sometimes when I'm like really stressed out and I'm going to take a shower, I just take a little bit longer. I just give myself permission to let the water run through my hair and on my head, maybe a couple minutes longer. And, and I say that because in California, we've been in a drought for so long that, you know, heaven forbid you waste water, but I give myself that two minutes to do that and just let that water hit my head. And that for me can be very grounding. Other times it can also be like getting in the car, right? And I want to learn and I love listening to audiobooks and here you're listening to podcasts. I love listening to podcasts. And sometimes I notice, oh, my brain is not taking anything in. Do you have you ever done that? Like I spend a lot of time hitting the rewind button. And so I realize it's time to turn this off and just be with myself. Pay attention because apparently I need to talk with myself. I need to hear what's going on inside of me. And that can feel grounding too. So paying attention to the different ways that ground you and turning off the noise can help with that because we have so much noise. 
in January, I went to New York City for the first time. It was fantastic. I had some work to do there. And then I wound up playing for a little bit and I was going to do more work. And I went, wait a second, I've never been to New York City. Have some, be deliberate and have some fun. And I was meeting my girlfriend in uh, Times Square because she wanted to go get Broadway tickets, which we wound up getting. But I showed up in Times Square and I don't even know where I was, maybe Greenwich Village. I jumped on the subway and got up there and and I was walking around to go find her at some store. And I was like, this is my version of hell. I posted it on Facebook. I just was like, wow, the overstimulation of all those video appliances. That was just too much for me. And you know, I'm a pretty good technology person. I'm sitting here. I've got a couple of computers in front of me. My iPhone's next to me. Um, I don't see my iPad anywhere, but it's not that I'm afraid of technology or I live in, you know, the woods, but it was just overstimulating for me. And I realized that was too much. Like I do like things to be off at times. There is that grounding. So turning off the noise, turning off the noise is really, really helpful. The other part of the way of conscious living is know yourself. Start to distinguish what are your voices and what are the voices that have been programmed with inside of you. Oftentimes I'll ask my client, they'll say something. I had this one client and he said, you know, I'm really happy with my job and I don't want to advance. And, but you know, I mean, I have this PhD, I, I should be advancing. And I asked him once, I said, whose voice is that? And he said, well, it's my mother's. I go, oh, so the woman that you had said that you love dearly, but she's really, really busy all the time. And that's not the lifestyle you wanted. Relationships are really, really important to you. And I'm not saying that things have to be an either or, but he was really clear about what he wanted to do with his work, how he wanted to raise his family. And then there was this voice in the back of his head. And so for him to be able to distinguish and say, oh, that's not my voice. Those are somebody else's rules for me. And I'm the boss of me. Do I want to live my life that way? And really ask yourself that. So knowing yourself is part of the practice of conscious living. The other part is know your values. What is important to you? And so I think I've talked about it on the show is I think from the brave episode is bravery is one of my, it's, it's my top value. And, um, and I found that out from an assessment I did many, many years ago and didn't really like that. But I, and I don't even really like to be brave. (laughs) I would in some ways prefer not to. It's like, oh, it's so painful to be brave. But when I'm willing to be brave and I'm willing to be vulnerable and face it, and I go after what it is that I want, either I fall down and that's okay because I get up and there's great lessons, or I'm able to blow my own mind about what it is that I can create. I mean, like, for instance, we'll just talk about this podcast. I started this thing almost 12 years ago. And it was a live radio show when I first started it with a podcasting element to it because it was on iTunes back then in 2006. I mean, there was, it had to be brave because, oh my gosh, I had to fill 30 minutes of air live air and I had to be brave. And it was so exhilarating to be able to connect and talk with people and learn. I loved it. But oh my gosh, every time before the show, I would want to throw up. It was so nerve wracking. And that can still happen to this day. So what I've realized is that that value is really, really important because I've leaned on it quite a bit in my life, whether it was being a swimmer, being a professional, being a mom, being a wife, being a friend, being brave in my life, you know, being in a loving relationship, it takes courage, it takes bravery. 
So knowing your values, what's important to you. Loyalty was something that became really important to me about 2010. And I don't think it was really highlighted in my life, but I went through some stuff and I was like, oh, loyalty is huge. So I started to really pay attention to the people in my life, to the businesses I dealt with, to the relationships, the friends, the family, who was in my life. Was loyalty important to them? And and if it wasn't, it was just good information for me, right? Because it was really important. And I wanted to be the people in my inner circle, because I have a lot of people in my life, but the people in my inner circle, those are the people that was it important to them? Or could they be disloyal? Could they stab me in the back? I wasn't really interested in that. I wasn't interested in cultivating those kind of relationships. So knowing your values, because your values are your guiding light when you go and pursue the things that you want in your life. The next way of conscious living is know what you're thinking. Know the voices in your head. Know what it is that you believe. Not other people like I was talking about, but know what it is that you believe. Okay, so the way of conscious living is pay attention, ground yourself, turn off your turn off the noise, know yourself, know your values, and know what you're thinking. And it's all fantastic news. Don't have shame from this, like, oh, I don't know what my values are. Or I don't even know what I'm thinking. I've been running them. I've been out trying to outrun them. It's okay. You're not alone. There are many people out there and you can start right now. Knowing yourself, get to know yourself, have a relationship with yourself where you get to know you get fascinated about yourself, be compassionate with yourself. And as you go about this way of conscious living, what you're going to find out is it takes a hell of a lot less energy than when you don't live consciously when you're really deliberate. Like, so here's an example. I just thought of this. Um, I don't know how many television stations I have or channels I have on my, I think there's like 600. I don't know. It's ridiculous. And I remember being like a teenager, not in college so much because I didn't really have a TV, but I remember being, I would just numb out, right? I'd be like going through, surfing around, trying to find something to watch, flipping through the channels, especially once we finally got a remote control. And it would always just be felt very unfulfilled. It was kind of like, oh, what will happen? What can I find? I'm really, really deliberate. I like TV. I like movies. And I think about how do I want to spend my time? What is it that I want to watch? And the fantastic news now is DVRs is that a lot of it can be recorded, right? So I can pull up what it, what's the title and go and watch it instead of being holden to, oh my gosh, I have to watch it at this time. Otherwise it's gone. Or I can then later watch it in reruns and catch 20 minutes or 30 minutes. I like living consciously. And instead of like, you know, wasting all these hours in the day, scrolling through the television to find some episode that will entertain me, I can say, oh, this is what I want to watch. And I'm going to watch it on this day. So even though it airs on a certain time, I can watch it on the weekend. Living consciously, when you really choose, you become a deliberate creator in your life. And it's possible for you. Today, last story, and then I'm going to go, but today I was coaching a client, a longtime client, and it's so fun because she's got all this great energy and she has all these plans and, you know, and she's just rocking and rolling and how far she's come through the years. And I, I reminded her, I'm like, look at you, you know, before it was so much indulging in the drama and the problems and the woe is me. And here she's just rocking it and kicking ass and creating the life. And there's so much excitement and joy. And she's just, 
it's it's awesome to watch her go through that. And I reminded her of when I first started coaching her many, many years ago, I had she was in a group that I had, and she wouldn't even speak on the call. And then later, she emailed me. And this is the question she asked me, she said, can I really create the life I want? And she didn't believe that was possible for herself. And today, she says, I don't feel limited in my life, I can go out and create it. Look at what I've been creating. This is possible for me. She lives consciously. And that's what's so awesome. When you live consciously, it doesn't mean you don't go through hard things. What it means is that you get to be the deliberate creator of your life. So thank you so much for listening. I just want to let you know that the Enough group, the April group is now closed. So thank you all for your interest. I'll be opening up another group sometime in the future. So stay tuned for that. And then finally, I want to know what's happening with you all. So many of you guys have been leaving reviews on iTunes or leaving stars. We haven't had a a word review since last fall. I really, really would love to hear what you have to say. So thank you first for leaving the stars and that does help grow the show. But I want to hear from you. I want to get to know you. That is always really important to me. Other people's stories are very, very important to me. So leave a comment, go to iTunes. There's a link in the show notes, go to iTunes, leave a comment. What do you love about the show? You know, why are you here? It's my turn for me to get to know you. Thank you so much. I'm smiling big for you. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wide awake.